Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Texas Rangers win the World Series! And there it is. It's done and over with. The Rangers, their first World Series title. Welcome in to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. In for Ed Egros the rest of this week. I'm Chris Mack alongside Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth. We are here with you until noon Eastern on the BetQL Network, live coast to coast. And of course, inside your Odyssey app, wherever you're going, whatever you're up to today, you can take us with you. So download it. It's free. A-U-D-A-C-Y. And watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL and YouTube as well. The Odyssey Sports Channel. Be sure to follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Today on the show... We got Thursday night football to talk about, Steelers, Titans, and Paul Charchi and our guy from KFAN in Minnesota to tell us what to expect from the Vikings now that it looks like they may have their replacement for Kirk Cousins, at least short-term replacement, after trading for Josh Dobbs, a weird quarterback situation going into this weekend's game, and some really weird quarterback matchups throughout the Week 9 slate across the NFL, college football Week 10 to touch on as well, but... I mentioned it off the top, guys. It's done. It's over with. The Rangers win 5 nothing last night. And we were on pins and needles for a while. Uh, our Zach Gallen, the no-hitter, into the seventh. And then the Rangers do what the Rangers do, and Corey Seager does what Corey Seager does, right? Three yeah. straight hits. Um, Seager sort of caps it off. He broke up the no-hitter. He's the MVP. And Nate Evaldi has another stellar postseason start, Joe. Yeah, uh, I, I can't help but think back that it was pretty boring. I'm, I'm going to derail things for a quick second. I do this from time to time, Chris. I apologize in advance. It was a terrific setup. It really was. I welcome. What, I welcome the derailing. <laughs> uh, I am just just mentally, it is a mess, and it's probably a surprise to know none of our listeners. Unmitigated disaster this morning. My phone is completely dead, completely dead. So if you guys have been texting me about the show and Joe's not responding, why is Joe being a jerk? He's not even saying anything, nothing. We, we got this planned and that planned. He won't respond. Gertrude's is getting mad. That, that is why. <laughs> I mean, it is, we, this is not new information, but just, you just don't realize, oh my God, how much, if that thing dies, I don't have my alarm. I woke up 45 minutes after when my alarm was set this morning. Oh like, no. I don't have I don't have a radio. I whatever when I'm, you know, hustling bustle in the morning, I've got some kind of audio whether it's music, not Christmas music, mm-hmm. whether it's just listening <laughs> to a podcast, just something. Something's going on. There's nothing going on. It's my notepad, you know? Like we all take notes, things pop in your head throughout the day like, "Oh yeah, I want to bring this up on the show or I got to make sure I pick this up at the store." Whatever. Any form of communication completely thrown off no, but hand up my fault chris the others know take a guess what version of the iphone do, do i have oh, i mean no. it's plugged in it's not working it's not doing anything what what version are we at is this is this like an iphone 3 here joe like <laughs> oh, how far three. back are we going 
it's back. How far back it's are we going? Seven. It, it's it's way Eight. back. So so we see the commercials for the fifteen right every five minutes now. That's that's the new one. It's an eight. I have a home button. It's close. I've been holding <gasps> on, <laughs> holding oh, no. on, and uh, yeah, it, and it's been like we we'd start the show, and a, like an hour into the show, the phone's about to die. You know, there, there was no yeah. battery. But now I'm forced. This is what I. This is what happens with me. Like when I don't want to do something, I'm going to put it off. I'm a procrastinator to begin with. It was always that way in school. Big project night before, you know, oh, I got to run to the bookstore, oh. get the cliff notes. You know, I, I'm that guy. But so now it's like, now I got to deal with the whole new phone thing, which I've been trying to avoid. But now I don't, I don't have an option because I'm just, I feel like I'm naked right now. It is. It's oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I remember when you wanted a new car and it was, it became a bit like we kept asking the Twitch chat yeah, kept asking, yeah. like, did you get it yet? Did you get nah. it yet? But it's so funny you said that because when I logged in, I kind of had a crazy experience. Chris Mack was recording Beat the Books. But he was like in full like radio mode. And I thought, uh -huh. did I oversleep an hour? I thought I was <laughs> joining mid-show. I had like a panic attack. Like, why didn't anyone text me? <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, Joe didn't I text up... you because he has no phone. That, yes. That's an easy that's explanation why. there. I felt I felt refreshed. I'm like, oh man, this is good. Thursday, I'm usually like really tired and groggy. I'm like, I'm feeling good. I look up at the clock. I'm like, oh, that's why it's a lot later than you usually wake up. So uh, the show should be interesting today. So if I'm a little, you know, kind of all over the place, that that would explain things. But that's man, that's your afternoon now, Joe. That is your afternoon. You are gonna have to go <sighs> go to the Apple Store, or the phone store, wherever, that's... and sit there and. Try to get them to transfer everything over. What gets lost? What doesn't? Getting the new phone set up. I feel for you, man. This is you have. It's it's like having an old friend when you hold on to the iPhone that long. And yeah. now I, I feel like we should lay your phone out, say a few kind words about it. I'll send some flowers. <laughs> I mean, well, it next I feel to the for fish. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, there there is a fish buried in the backyard. You know, it's so cold here. I don't know if we could dig into the ground right now that that would be a challenge well here's the funny thing chris that you're right in most cases that would be my afternoon you've got to clear the schedule yeah thursdays that's a no-go like thursdays my entire day is filled i've got a point you know with the kids stuff i've got uh -huh. some of that going on i've got radio interviews i do on thursdays i do a lot of work for my saturday show uh, getting that out of the way. My Thursdays, wall to wall. I'm in this office until Thursday night football starts, usually. Jeez. So I'm going to go like at least 24 to 48 hours without any form of communication. Man, maybe I'll love it. Maybe I'm pretty sure that we'll start the show tomorrow. I still won't have a phone. It should be kind of crazy. <laughs> I would say this bleeds into next week for sure. Next week? No, it can't. You can't go a weekend of of – you can't go week nine NFL and week 10 college football and everything going on this weekend without a phone. You can't do it. Uh, uh, when can are you going to do it? At Friday after the show, but you got your Saturday show. You, you Saturdays are at, are what? when you're getting this done. I don't know. Saturday is order it online. Well, Saturday's our 12th wedding anniversary. The other day she's like, oh. hey, should we, we go, should we go out to dinner for anniversary? I'm like, oh, when's that? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh no, no! The phone like would have reminded you, Joe. The calendar so, alert would have come up. But she now, goes Saturday. I go, oh, but like it's this week. And she's like, no, it's on Saturday. I'm not saying Saturday because her schedule's open. I'm saying let's go want to go out to dinner on Saturday because that's the actual day of our anniversary. Oh no. Aww, this she didn't this. No, she was not upset. She was not upset because we're at the point where it's like, eh, do you really want to do anything? Or you want to just stay home yeah. and you know, it's every day we're doing something. Do you want to go? Whatever. If yeah. you want to, we'll go. That's what it is. Now. DoorDash and a bottle of wine and call it a night. There you go. But you can't DoorDash because your phone's dead. Right. Can't do. That's the thing. I can't do anything. I can't go it. Like everything is attached to apps now. It's a, it's amazing. Like I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, I need, I need to get this. Where's the Amazon app? Oh, don't have it. You know, can't do anything. <laughs> well, it must have died after Zach Gallon because we did get that text right uh yeah so it happened in the middle of the night that it was my wake up alarm that's why i i had nothing so it whatever that that's sorry to derail things but that's that's my no you know in fact in fact at one point last night i was so sick of the game i muted it plus that's fine i don't really want to hear smoltz anyways and i don't know i was just in a mute for for music and i was going through like the decades of music while the game was going on and i was doing some work and then I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's a me issue. And I went to the Christmas station and I said, no, tried it. No, jo- Johnny <laughs> Mathis. It ain't, it ain't beginning to look a lot like Christmas <laughs> at all. It, like, our takes, Chris, were dead on yesterday. I got to say that. I got to, after, yeah, I flip through, I'm like, maybe I need an old classic. I'm like, flip through five songs. I'm like, nope, nope, get out of here. And maybe that's what killed the phone. Anyways. That's probably that's probably what did it. It was <laughs> the Christmas it was music. it was right right in the middle of, the, of what was a classic picture stole though. Like that would have been yeah. nice to get a text from Joe O about hey, can you believe this? But after a while, it, no more texts came. Uh, it did come through though for the Rangers. Corey Seager MVP. Nathan Evaldi seemingly worked out of each and every jam. Leaves eleven on base. D backs go zero for nine with runners in scoring position. Exactly what he did throughout the postseason, He just dominated. And even when he did run into a little bit of trouble, he handled it. Um, And the Rangers, I think the thing that stands out for me guys is that this is a team that just a couple of years ago and both teams in the world series, a couple of years ago were hundred lost teams. And in the Rangers case, you go all the way through their lineup, one through nine, you get three Ranger products, everybody else signed or traded for, in the last three years, you go through their entire five man rotation, all of them acquired in the last three years, not a Ranger product mm-hmm. amongst the bunch. So, to those teams that think you're going to be able to completely build it up internally and not have to look for outside help at some point, it's maybe, but it's going to take you a lot longer. The margin for error is going to be a whole lot smaller. There are the Baltimore Orioles of the world out there. But it's more likely if you want to turn a 100-loss team into a World Series contender in a three-year window, you're going to have to do it the way the Rangers did it, Joe. Yeah, and, you know, we could go over some of the uh, world champions that we've seen in the past few years. But one thing I I do think of is teams that do the teardown and then quickly build it back up. A lot of times we're thinking, wait, this is too early. 
This was not supposed to happen at this point. This is not supposed to happen right after you get DeGrom and you don't have DeGrom for the majority of the season. They they have so many assets. They have so much money. They were able to get around everything that you would think would derail the season. Um, And that was a monster number on opening day. That was 50 to 1. There have been four teams that have won the World Series since 1985 with a number of at least 50 to 1. It's the 87 Twins, the 91 Twins, and the 03 Marlins, and now the 23 Texas Rangers. They're added to that group. Uh, A betting perspective, another thing that jumps out is the run of long-shot World Series MVPs ends because Corey Seager was a co-favorite going into this with Dolis Garcia. So it wasn't a Pena. It wasn't a Jorge Soler, which we've cashed on in the past. You know, I don't think anybody had a Steve Pierce ticket, but he was a super long shot. It was somebody at the top of the board this time around. But, um, yeah, I mean, they just found a way. And the biggest question, Aaron, on this Rangers team, I would say going into the postseason that we talked about, was the bullpen. And I think what the Rangers showed you is that if you have a couple of dudes at the top of the rotation, if you have a long lineup – that yes, the bullpen matters a ton, but you only need three guys. If you mm-hmm. got three, you're good. You don't need the depth of six and seven guys. If you got three that you can depend on, inning seven, eight, nine, you can be all right. Yeah, I think the <clears throat> coolest thing about the Rangers is also just all the adversity that they overcame throughout the season. You talk about DeGrom and then even just – Scherzer, so many injuries, 11-0 and on the road as well. How do you even explain that? And you just got to love the Bochi signing too. I mean, that guy got all that talent to play. I, he's so humble, but I think he also deserves a lot of credit. Really quick, Chris, you didn't hear the story, but my dad, he told me to bet the Rangers before the season to win the division. So he calls me and he's like, man, I've been telling everyone in the office, I got a Rangers World Series bet. I'm a genius. I'm like, no, dad. It was- no, that's not how that works, dad. That's not how that works. <laughs> he's well, like, you, oh you, man, I told everyone about that. I was like, sorry, bro. <laughs> well, hey, he did- who else was on this? Yeah, to his friends, you, he's you a genius though. You still kind of called it. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was on the right track, but... Somebody yeah. who told you guys way back in April that the Rangers had the potential to shock people and to watch out for the rotation. Hall of Famer Greg Maddox right here on BetQL Daily. I did spend some time this spring with the uh, the Rangers and uh, very impressed with their pitching staff and, and the guys they added down there. And uh, uh, got to spend a few weeks with my brother down there watching him coach him up and all that stuff. So uh, Evaldi is real good. I mean... Uh, uh, the bullpen, they're they're kind of feeling out right now with, with what's going on with the bullpen, and I think as the season goes on, the bullpen will 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 also pitch well. I think the sky's the limit for them. I think you're going to see a little bit of surprise in in that division this year. There you mm. go. No, who better than Greg Maddox, Joe? He called it way back in April. Yeah, he did, and honestly. When having that conversation, I'm not saying that I wasn't believing what he was saying, but I'm like, yeah, his brother's a pitching coach. Of course, he's going to say positive right. things. It's, it's breaking news if he says they don't have a chance at hell at winning the division or making a run, even though they didn't win the division. So, yeah, congrats to them. Ivaldi. I never saw this coming. After what we saw in the second half of the season, I mean, there are so many guys, and that's what you need in a World Series run, so many guys that you can point to, like, wow, that was a shocking result, and they don't do it without that person. 
Yeah. Uh, Braves, early favorites, 2024 futures. Jump on them now. Coming up next, Thursday night football. Titan Steelers right here in my backyard. All the ways we're betting it next here on BetQL Daily. Anticipating a rough and tumble game. Steelers, Titans, business as usual. Um, our senses are heightened because it's Thursday night ball. Um, we got to do a really good job of putting together a plan that's appropriate. And when I say appropriate, I mean uh, we better do things that we can handle. In some instances, um, we're capable of, of, of being an experienced group. And so um, in those instances, short weeks are less significant. In other instances where we lack experience, we better be thoughtful about what we ask these guys to do and their level of readiness and in-helmet perspective on the preparation. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Mike Tomlin just 48 hours ago talking about the Steelers' approach to Thursday night football against the Tennessee Titans. Welcome back into BetQL Daily alongside Joe O and Aaron. I'm Chris Mack in for Ed the rest of this week. And it just so happens to be right down the road in my backyard, Thursday night football tonight. A Steelers team whose offense to, well, to put it mildly, has been trash most of the season against a Titans team that brings rookie quarterback Will Levis in for his first road start. Titans getting two and a half on this one. The total still low, 36 and a half. And there's a bunch of different ways to look at this, but I'll start with that Mike Tomlin soundbite there, guys. Mike Tomlin is loath to try and introduce too much on a short week. He knows what his team's strengths and weaknesses are, and he's going to try to play to them. Not that there won't be game planning for Tennessee and what they bring to the table, but this is what he does on short weeks. He leans into what he knows his team does well or does not do well and tries to plan around that rather than trying to infuse too much new into a game plan when you only really get one legit practice. So it's entirely likely that you'll see a lot of similar stuff to what you saw Sunday against Jacksonville from the Steelers tonight. Doesn't give you hope for points being scored. The one big thing, Joe, they get Cam Hayward back up front. I don't know if he'll necessarily play 100% of the defensive snaps coming off an injury, but it's big for them in getting some sort of natural push or uh, pass rush against uh, the young quarterback, Will Levis. While some press conferences from Tomlin may get some national play, I'd imagine that you, after hearing every Tomlin press conference for his entire <laughs> tenure, that you, like, before it happens, you know exactly what he's going to say. And when the sentences start, you're like, okay, here comes this. He's going to hit on that, yeah. <laughs> and he's going to hit on You know the playbook. And that's that's not a, saying it's a bad thing because uh, around the nation, many people are, are jealous. They, w- they would love to have Mike Tomlin uh, as their as their coach. Just first, first blush, looking at this game, looking at the situation a little bit, but more so the coaches. Eh, a terrific matchup. And Vrabel and Tomlin, like, you cannot argue that these are, these are not two top five, six uh, head coaches in the game. That no matter what talent level they have, no matter how many or which players they're, they're missing that they're going to, fu- they're going to be in a dog fight. Like they're an underdog. Oh, well, they're going to be right there. They're going to find a way to be there. Both, both of these teams. That's why we talk about it so much on this show when they're sizable underdogs, especially when it's a field goal or more Steelers or the Titans, they're a look, they're a conversation 
every single week in this game. And the point spread that you mentioned is interesting because last week it was three and a half. And then, you know, you, you have Levis falling out and then there's immediate reaction towards the Tennessee side. Part of that was because of the picket injury, but now we've, we know that picket is going, it's not going to be Trubisky. So maybe a little bit of movement on that side, so, but it's been trickling down throughout the week, which I find kind of interesting because people were in on Levis earlier and then they're diving into that, that Tennessee win and his performance. Yeah, it was impressive, but okay. Yeah, it was impressive, but it was at home. Impressive, yeah. but it was Atlanta, not Pittsburgh. Atlanta, much better defense, but they don't have a Watt character, right? We know that Fitzpatrick is out, but here comes Cam Hayward, as you mentioned. And then uh, the more you look in, in that, Levitz had an explosive touchdown in every quarter. Nobody thinks that's going to happen tonight. 47 yards, 16 yards, 61, a 33-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. That is unsustainable. And if you look at the passing success rate, it was 29% for Levis. So yes, red zone would pop in. And then you see Levis with a big touchdown to Hopkins again, again, and again. And that's what people see. And that's what's highlighted, but down to down, it wasn't as successful as you would think. And it's a, it's a step up. And now you're going on the road for the first time. So my first thought was I got to go against Levis. How am I going to go against Levis? But it's the picket thing. Do you trust picket laying points, Aaron? Right. <laughs> I really wanted Pickett to be good, but it doesn't look like it's heading in that direction for his career. I was hoping, but it's just been so inconsistent. I'm I'm not a Pickett fan anymore. The Will Levis thing is interesting. I mean, he obviously gives this team a spark, but everything is going against him. Short week, on the road, against the Steelers. Really good defense. It's tough to figure out. The Titans secondary not very good. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe the maybe the Titans do lean on Derrick Henry a little more in this game. That's why I was like, yeah, I'll take a shot on him over on his rushing yard prop yesterday. Today, I'm thinking who's going to be getting the ball on the Steelers' side? Is it Deontay Johnson or is it Pickens? And Eileen Johnson here. So I'll be looking at receptions made, which is plus money, and also over his receiving yards. He's gone over his prop in two games. I think he's getting healthier uh 56 and a half is a pretty good number he's had what 89 and 85 and 79 sorry in the last two games um receptions so eight for 85 last week five for 79 the week before that chris so i think i'll be keying in on some deontay johnson props yeah, I'm with you. I like the receptions prop, actually. Over five and a half is plus 120 at BetMGM. So mm -hmm. I get good return on that because they're still without Pat Fryermuth in the pass game. And Kenny Pickett's looking for a direction to be comfortable in. I'm assuming Tennessee's going to use Sean Murphy bunting to try and take away George Pickens as much as possible. Every team seems to be, when they go up against the Steelers, interested in taking Pickens and his big playability away. Totally understand that. It's been tough for him to get open. It's why people want to see. Mike Tomlin was asked on Tuesday, should George Pickens be getting the ball more? He had a simple one-word answer. Yes, but he's simply not getting open enough because teams are going out of their way to cover him. And so that leaves Deontay Johnson, a very comfortable target for Kenny Pickett. If he can get the ball to him more accurately than he did in a couple situations, including in, down in the end zone last week, 
then yeah, I love over five and a half for Johnson's receptions prop at plus 120. The other thing I'd keep an eye on is anything defensively for the Steelers. I looked it up last night. Uh, there, there was very good return on the Steelers' defense to score. I, I want to say it was a, a defensive touchdown for the Steelers was something like plus 300. I'd have to go back and look that up to make sure that that's correct. But they're going to do everything they can to force Will Levis into mistakes. I don't think, like I, I we talked about it during the break, I don't think they'll get too exotic with it because they've, they're without Minka Fitzpatrick, as Joe mentioned. So they'll keep it, I would think, somewhat vanilla on the back end. But TJ Watt, as you guys both mentioned, his brother JJ is coming to town to watch the game tonight. He's going to be salivating at the idea of Will Levis standing back there. He's got Cam Hayward back to draw a little attention in the other direction. Um, when the Steelers win this year, it's because their defense comes up big. TJ Watt has done mm -hmm. it several times already this season. He's on a defensive player of the year kind of track. I think it continues tonight. So I would probably sprinkle a little on the Steelers defense to come up with a big play here as well, even score a touchdown because they're going to have to, if they want to win because their offense is not scoring enough. If they want to win, they've got to force Will Levis into mistakes, Joe. Uh, rec record a sack for TJ Watt. Yes is minus 200. <laughs> so it's going to be hard to find value on, uh, on that tackles and assists for him is set at two and a half. We'll, we'll get more books posting that number uh, throughout the day, but that's obviously juiced to the over. Um, what about the Titans offense? Just the idea, like what's Frable going to do? The thinking is, okay, he had a big game. That was an awesome scene performed well against the Falcons. We know it's going to be a tough situation. It's a short week for the kid. It's hard to go back and like study what we did and learn from mistakes. And, and now you're going to be in a raucous atmosphere and you're going to face one of the best defenders in the game that, that's going to look to get pressure. What do they do offensively? You would think they're going to lean on Derrick Henry. How much are they going to lean on Derrick Henry? I, and I ask you, how have the Steelers been against the run? The, the Henry props, 16 and a half attempts. So my first inclination is, oh, boy, they're just going to keep feeding the rock, whether they're successful right. or not. And uh, rushing yards, it's in the 68 to 70 and a half range. Is that the only place to really look to come up with an angle with Titans? Or is it, hey, there's an obvious connection with Hopkins. Maybe they just force feed that. Yeah, I, I think if they're, if they're smart, like you said, they're going to do their best to try and take as much of this off of Levis's shoulders as possible. And against the 27th ranked rush defense in the league, which is what the Steelers are, you mm -hmm. think that you've got to lean in on Derrick Henry. But they've quietly developed one of the best one-two combinations in the backfield in the league. Tajay Spears has been huge for them. His rushing prop tonight is only 19 and a half rushing yards. I'd jump all over the over. I think because they haven't really... They've gotten away from just making it the one-man show in Derrick Henry. Because, well, Derrick Henry's getting older. Derrick Henry's getting dinged up. He can't be the 25-carry-a-week guy much longer. And so, sprinkling some Tajay Spears. He catches the ball out of the backfield here and there. And I think I'm, he's already averaging close to 6 yards, 5.8 yards a carry, I think, this year. You get Tajay Spears just as a change-of-pace guy, say five, six carries, give him one drive. And I think it, it, that... That lines up perfectly for a nice low prop where if he gets five, six carries, you probably clear that over 19 and a half number. Um, we can ask Paul Charchian about Spears too in an hour. He should be familiar with them. Uh, but that's that's where I would look. If if you're not comfortable with the Derrick Henry number, Aaron, at 70 and a half, which I know you jumped on yesterday and it's come down a couple yards. 
um, then Ty J mm -hmm. Spears is a nice alternative, I think. The other thing I thought that was interesting, uh, I mentioned the Titans secondary, not very good. Kenny Pickett's pass attempts, 31 and a half. He's only gone over that twice. I'm like, apparently yeah. they're expecting him to pass the ball a lot, but I don't think I could get involved in that unless it was maybe a under. That's that's a lot. That is a big number. I, I don't understand the the logic behind that. It, well, other than the fact that the Steelers have had zero run game to speak of this year. Najee Harris hasn't been able to get on track. They get a little bit out of Jalen Warren here and there on third downs, but their offensive line has been terrible. They've got the two worst tackles. They're the worst tackle combination in football. They refuse to start their first rounder, Broderick Jones, over Dan Moore Jr. at left tackle for some inexplicable reason. Their blocking leaves a lot to be desired, both run and pass game, but especially in the run. Pick it, even money to throw a pick. Is it happening? I don't know if there's enough opportunistic players on the back end for Tennessee for that to happen. He's still very careful with the football. Um, the one thing he has done this year, maybe at the expense of everything else, is cut down on those kind of mistakes. He may miss, and he's missed pretty often this year, this year through the first half of the season, but when he misses... Yeah. He doesn't necessarily miss with a turnover-worthy play. So I I don't know. Yeah, that, that's probably a no play for me just because they've done everything they can, and I think they'll do even more this week. Like I said, short week to keep it vanilla and insulate him from mistakes. Okay. I, I like that Spears look. That seems to be the most appealing with everything that I believe is going to happen tonight. I've had a tough, tough time with props because I think the points are going to be limited. And that's obviously yeah. why we have this short, short total of 36 and a half bet, bet down to the under after 37. I think it's worth, also worth bringing up primetime unders have hit at a very high rate this year. 19 and seven. I know it's been the year of the under in general, but primetime yeah. unders in particular. And then look at this. You got Levis against Pickett, you know, just days after his injury. And then let's see Thursday night football when the total is 40 or, or less unders are 17 and four. Wow. So bad wow. offenses, you know, in a sense, some pretty good defense. It's like the Titans are good against the run. They're good at something, yeah. right? Yeah, young quarterbacks. Just what we believe, maybe Levis will change our mind, offenses that are not explosive in the least. In little prep time, if it's expected to go under, be a low-scoring game, it's probably going to be a low-scoring game. That That's what that trend tells me. I'm not a trend's Gosh. better, but I thought that was pretty telling, especially in this situation where, like Chris mentioned, you got one practice. Yeah, and if you're looking for a side, I mean, even look, money line, there's no value on the Steelers at minus 150, but a rookie quarterback has never gone into Heinz Field and won in prime time. Take that for what it's worth. It's 0-5. <laughs> so, uh, again, I, oh, I think man. the T.J. Watt factor is huge. It seems like every other week he comes up with the play that wins the game or puts them in position to win. So, I think Watt versus Levis is the most uh, – the most exciting thing to watch tonight to see if Will Levis can go on the road and kind of stand in there with the same sort of stones that he he showed in college, right? He was always a gutsy guy yep. in college. And does he does he have that now at this level? That's what makes me think, does he? Am I wrong here? Do I need to be looking at Will I, Levis right now? I I want to bet Levis two plus at least two interceptions. Touchdowns? But oh. no. At least two interceptions. <laughs> but I don't know if they're going to put him in that position. Vrabel's too smart yeah, they, for that. 
they they shouldn't. You're right. If they're smart about yeah. it, they won't. They'll lean in on Henry and Spears. It's BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, man, this is a weird slate, especially for survivor options. Week 9, we take a look at them. It's tough out there. Alongside Joe O and Aaron, I'm Chris Mack. This is BetQL Daily on the BetQL Network. No idea what happened to the Chiefs last weekend in Denver, but it was not pretty, and it's just another outcome that has a lot of people questioning where they are exactly as they head overseas. They're in Germany to take on the Dolphins, an early morning game on Sunday. In all actuality, when you look at this weekend's slate, NFL slate, Sunday, actually, Mm -hmm. if you're just interested in marquee games, not that bad. Dolphins, Chiefs in the morning. And then 1 o'clock, you've got Seahawks-Ravens. Afternoon game, you've got Cowboys-Eagles. And primetime, we got Bills-Bengals. But every other game on the slate is rough, uh, especially some of the quarterback matchups we're looking at, which we'll get into at the top of the hour. But it makes survivor options as well a little tough as we welcome you back into BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Chris Mack in for Ed Egros the rest of this week, alongside Joe Ostrowski. And Aaron Hawksworth, be sure to watch the show on Twitch, twitch.tv slash BetQL, and listen wherever you may be in the world on your Odyssey app. Joe, um, this is this is a really weird Survivor week. Like I, I know where I'm mm-hmm. going, but I don't feel it, it's more based – This more than ever, this week of Survivor is not based on who you're betting on. It's be, be, totally based on who the opponent is, and – this is this is a size up the opponent kind of week, and that's why I'm in on the Saints for my survivor pl- play this week, uh, because well they got the Bears at home. Like thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some other ugly options out there: Browns, Cardinals. I mentioned Ravens, Seahawks, Falcons, Vikings. Uh, with the quarterback situation in Minnesota, there's there's a lot of weird options out there this week. And, and it comes after a week when almost nobody got bounced. The Chiefs lose as a touchdown favorite, but nobody had them. Division game, they've already been used by a lot mm-hmm. of people. Everybody was on some combination of the Chargers Sunday night against the Bears, the Lions Monday night against the Raiders, and then the Ravens. Like That, that was the top three in every survivor pool, and all those were easy. In my pool, uh, which started with over 1,700, and we're at 295 right now, the top seven the in the consensus, the most popular picks, all safe. All one. So everybody's clean. And this is the week that everybody had circled. This is the one that people were worried about looking ahead. Okay, which team are you going to go with? And it looked to be maybe the toughest week of the year to this point. And I would argue it's not as tough as we thought it was going to be. Because there are two options where there are point spreads above a touchdown. Those two options have almost no future value. You mentioned New Orleans, solid pick going against Bajan. I don't know about the point spread, but as far as just just winning the game at home, makes sense to me. And then there's also Cleveland at home. What is a Clayton Toon? I don't know what a Clayton (laughs) Toon is. I don't think anybody knows what a Clayton Toon is. So these are by far going to be the most popular picks because nobody's used New Orleans or Cleveland, and there's no reason to save them down the road. So you have those six top teams that are going against each other, and you can't use them. In most cases, there'll be some nuts out there that use Philly minus three. They're like dead set on Dak won't rise to the moment and all that stuff. But I, th- I think that's insane. New Orleans, Cleveland is going to be very popular. 
And I would agree with that New Orleans pick right now. I'm worried about the Bears getting me. I might go with Cleveland. I'm really kind of torn between the two. I have one spot in two different pools. I'm probably going to go one New Orleans, one Cleveland. But here's here's the other one I want to throw out there that I'm hearing a lot of people talk about because of what went down in deadline day. And it's not the largest point spread. We're sitting at three and a half. There's a lot of three, three and a halfs out there. There are people thinking, all right, commanders aren't going to try. They're trading everything that's not nailed down. Mm. They trade their top two defenders. They won't be able to get pressure. The commander's secondary is awful. Mac Jones might actually look like a competent quarterback. And there are people jumping on New England. Another spot where, where would you ever take them again? Right. I'm not. I don't want anything to do with that game. It would not. Rivera as an underdog. Listen. Like you could say, oh, what do they have left on defense? The commander's defense was awful with those guys. So why are you making that pick based on a trade of young and sweat? Like they're still able to put up points. How will could outscore Mac Jones? So that's why I'd stay away from that one, Aaron. Well, also the Patriots defense is not what it used to be. And that's what the commanders do. Somehow they show up when everyone's against them and weird things mm-hmm. happen. I, I looked at this game quite a bit last night for our contest picks, which we'll get to later in the show. And I kind of feel like you, Joe, I almost want nothing to do with this game. It seems so obvious to fade the commanders. And then it's like, but this is what they do. They're so up and down like that. All right. So in terms of Survivor, I also like the Browns. But my big question is, I almost think Deshaun Watson is a downgrade. And he practiced Mm. yesterday. Is he going to play? Because if it's P.J. Walker, I like the Browns. I mean, they only lost to the Seahawks on the road by four points. I thought they could have won that game last week. And the Browns More confident in P.J. Walker than Deshaun Watson. I know. I am. I'm not. And the Cardinals are really bad defensively, which you would think would not be the case with Jonathan Gannon, but it is 31st in EPA. It's just their defense is bad. So I like the Browns, but I hope it's PJ Walker and not Deshaun Watson. Yeah. The other one I, I keep an eye on because, and it's, it's probably something I won't end up going near. But if Minnesota's quarterback situation going into this weekend really is Jaron Hall. And if Josh Dobbs is just kind of there as a break glass in case of emergency kind of guy this week until they get him fully up to speed, what chance do they really have against the Falcons in that defense? Um, their own defense seems to be a mess week in and week out. Um, you've got an Atlanta offense that – whether it's Heineke or Ritter, I'm less confident in Ritter, to be honest, but doesn't need to do a lot to put up points against Minnesota. Um, Bijan, if they lean in on him, I would feel confident in him against the Vikings defense to score some points. So th- that is one dark horse that I thought about before I ended up just circling back around to, as Joe mentioned, the two favorites, the Saints and the Browns. Raven Seahawks, does I, look, I get it. It's Baltimore at home. It's a West Coast team coming east, all of that. The Seahawks have actually done decently enough this year coming east uh, in a couple of different spots. And I do believe that the Ravens are starting to cook. Lamar is starting to figure some things out. New OC and Lamar have come together. They've had half a season to sort of marry some concepts and figure some things out. So they're hitting their stride offensively. You saw what they did to Detroit. Um I like the Ravens to beat the Seahawks, 
Um, but it's not something that I can't see a couple of turnovers happen and Seattle takes it back the other way. And I feel awful about it because now I'm out. So that's why it, all these other looks, I, I look at them for a second and I come all the way back around to, well, Joe, the Saints are playing the Bears. I don't need to do much yep. more research. The Saints are playing the Bears. Yep, yep. On on the Browns <laughs> one, what's interesting is, yes, I still believe that they have the best defense, but if you look at the last couple of weeks and what they've been giving up, Seattle, it was 6.6 yards per play. Two weeks ago against the Colts, it was 6.8 yards per play. That's the Colts mm. with Minshew. So yeah. am, I, am I a little concerned against Toon? No. If it was a normal situation, I, I would be a little alarmed. I don't think Cleveland's going to force Watson back in this spot against Clayton too. Why not give him another week? You know, if you don't need to do it, you've, you've been winning games, just getting by with PJ Walker. I think it's fine. I would not lay it. The Cleveland minus eight, not laying more than a touchdown with PJ Walker, but I'm just looking to win a game in this spot. And, and I don't have a problem with that one at all. Uh, he, the Vikings thing. Okay. So a popular opinion, and I agree with this opinion on the Dolphins situation with new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio is okay. Once guys come back and we've seen Ramsey come back system implemented, they'll be better in the second half of the season. Are we not seeing that exact thing with the Vikings defense with Flores mm. that yes, it was rough early blitzing a ton, not getting home. They faced some tough offenses in the Eagles and the Chargers and the Chiefs in week five. And then you look at the last three weeks. Yeah, Jordan Love stinks. They only scored 10. San Francisco, Monday night spot, only scored 17. The Bears scored only 13, and that was a road game. I, I wonder if this Vikings defense is a defense that improves as the season moves along. That's, yeah. I don't That's a really trust. really good point here. I, I don't trust Atlanta. Well, I have a hard time trusting anything in Atlanta too, but Aaron, that's, that's a, a really good point that Joe brings up about like, I just went on and on about Lamar Jackson and starting to cook with their offensive coordinator, finding some footing, same thing happening with DCs uh, in this case, Flores in Minnesota. I mean, th- th- Minnesota is so hard to lean in on because of everything <laughs> yeah. that's gone on because of all the dynamics of, last year and how they won all those games and but this is yeah. I, I said it yesterday this is just a prime uh, ugly seventh seed in an expanded playoff field kind of team that sneaks in there and it's it's a great point about Flores I I, I like that a lot that it, you know they figured some things out and uh, against against this kind of opponent yeah may, maybe they, they can get away with Jaron Hall for a half and Josh Dobbs comes in in the third quarter who knows so, like, the Vikings are going to be the Rangers? All these injuries and No, 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 no. No, we're not going that far. We're, we're not saying that, that they're going to the playoffs and all that. We're just saying that they might surprise us with Addison. A couple I agree. Of big plays. Hawkinson can show up and, you know, big big spot in the red zone or something like that where maybe the backup comes in and, and wins a game or something like that. And what if Dobbs enters the game? And you're kind of uneasy right. with that pick, right? I agree for sure. And then also the thing I don't like is if it's Heineke, I like the Falcons it a is. lot more. Yeah, it is Heineke. So I don't yeah. want to go against him. <laughs> I'm a yeah, big Heineke I get it. person. <laughs> what What are we more worried about? I think everybody's going to be on New Orleans or Cleveland. And that makes perfect sense yeah. to me for the most part. Um, which one are we worried about with an upset? 
because this is a kind of week like think about what we're saying everyone in survivor is on new orleans or cleveland say that out loud I, like which, which upset I, happens I, I I don't trust P.J. Walker a ton, but I think Aaron makes a great point about a rusty Deshaun Watson coming back. I think that's something mm. to worry about. If you're a Browns fan, he comes back. And, look, there were times early Ugh. this year he didn't he didn't have to be hurt to look bad. So, yeah, it is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, as many as nine NFL teams and at least a handful, we just talked about some of them, could be without their QB1 this week. We'll look at the latest line moves in the betting market and where we see value on some of these plays coming up next here on the BetQL Network.